entering the TGTC. Are you ready for a deep dive? And Jordan did most of the crap. Can't believe I said that. I've been doing this in 2008. Welcome to the DGDC, a united team of design professionals, creatively bound to bring unique inspiration and a common perspectives. You can email us listener questions or topic ideas to hello at dgdcpod.com or check out our website, dgdcpod.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram or Twitter at dgdcpod. Plus now you can join in on the conversation. We have a Facebook group. Just pop onto our website and hit the community tab at the top. Now on with the show. All right, guys. Well, this is uh, a fun new adventure for us. And, uh, I'm here with a new member of the DGDC family. Please welcome Tom Laro. Tom, what's going on, buddy? What's up, man? Good to talk to you. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> this Thank is, uh, you. It's good. It's good to be here. Yeah, man. We've been talking about uh, a cool little addition to the podcast for uh, a few months now, and um, what we're going to do is kind of have a new series here. And I'll let Tom talk a little bit about it uh, in a second, but. Um, Tom, if you don't mind, introduce yourself, tell the listeners a little bit about you, what are you doing right now, where you're at in your career. So basically, uh, yeah, so my name's Tom Loro. Uh, we met like, just kind of like, I don't know, would you say like two, has it been like two years already since we like kind of like touched base? Yeah. Um, yeah, it must be because like, I know it's so weird to kind of think back and go like, was it two years or five years? Cause of the last, <laughs> I know years. everything, but I think it was about two years ago. I think, um, it was through Michael that I think, did he give you my name yeah. or something? And then we were like, we were chatting about portfolios and stuff and career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we had kind of like been talking on just through Instagram. Cause like, that's basically like how I was kind of like feeding into this whole profession was just, I didn't really know who to ask like for career advice. So I was just, I would, been following all these people and I was like hey do you have any advice on like who to go to or like who to talk to and he was like I have the guy and then he like dropped your <laughs> name and that's when I reached out to you and you know we just started this correspondence where I was basically kind of like hey man I don't know what the hell I'm doing how do I get out of this architecture career and into graphic design and like do you were like a godsend and you like had all like the answers to the questions <laughs> And, you know, from there, like, you know, it was just like this upward track of like, working on like portfolio review and just like paying all that information forward. That was just like so, so helpful to me like, getting into this like new design career. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. And you swung like for the fences and I think you won because like you were in a situation that I talked to a lot of designers about and it's either you came from another degree or another interest and then you found this world of communication design graphic design whatever you want to call it and like you i knew you had the passion for that and it was well worth maybe you were fearful you were going to like step back a few steps uh changing and pivoting at the point of your career you were at and um the minute you kind of took off and went out there and worked on your portfolio, got everything done. You really landed a great job. You've been doing that for now a few years, I believe. Yeah, I've been, so right? I just hit my two year work anniversary. Um, 
I work for like a product and packaging wholesale company. Um, they do a lot of like home goods stuff and it's just crazy to think, you know, from where I stepped out in the pandemic to where I am now, it's like, it doesn't even feel like I've shifted careers in a way. It's almost like, it feels like I've been doing this forever. Um, and yeah. yeah, I mean, that was like the reservations you were talking about was like, you know, taking that step back because I, you know, when I had started this, I had already been a landscape architect for nine years, like out practicing. And it was like, oh shit, is this like resetting a little bit going to just like have like a super negative effect on like, you know, my adult lifestyle that I'm, that I'm living as like a 30 now 31 year old, but like a, I think 29 at the time. So it was like, yeah, it was a little scary, but I, you know, I gotta be honest, you were like a huge, huge help to that. I can't thank you enough for it. Oh man, my pleasure, dude. It's, it's always great to like be able to be in that situation and, and have a few words of wisdom that I, I know maybe aren't in your vision just yet, but you, the minute someone can tell you that, cause I've been, I've been on the receiving end of it so many times where it's like, wow, I just needed to hear that to know about the future, you know? And, uh, and as soon as we like, you know, your success happened and everything, I think I even said to you, I'm like, oh, you're, you're, you're going to be that person giving it back very mm-hmm. soon too. You know? And I think that's happens faster than you can. Well, <laughs> I know like looking at it now, it's like, um, you know, we're talking about the, like doing this podcast and stuff from even February to now, I was like, you know, I, three months ago, I wasn't like, oh yeah, you know, I think I'd be really good at like offering advice or like having, I don't know, intellectual conversations with with people that have been doing this for so much longer than I have, even though they, they are in like the early part of their career. It's like, yeah, it's it's a little daunting, but it's also kind of cool. Like that I get to have that that ability to just kind of pay it forward already, which is great. Yeah, definitely. I think that leads us to kind of what sparked this idea. And Tom and I were talking and Tom kind of came up with this idea of like, why isn't there a podcast in this one particular kind of zone? Um, and it really made me think, wow, I gave him the challenge. I said, come up with an idea and, and you got a place on our podcast. What was the initial idea about your perspective and what you wanted to do with, and then tell them a little bit about the name and everything yeah. else. So, um, so the idea just kind of sparked from, there's this whole breadth of, of podcast episodes out there for creatives, but it just felt like it was so geared towards people that are kind of not in the twilight of their career, but more so just like in like the, the apex of it. And it's like, yeah. You know, we like in this first episode that, you know, we'll, we'll get into, it's like, we kind of talk about like that source material that you're looking for. And sometimes you just want something that you can relate to. And for me, it was kind of like, it, it was so helpful to get all this information and to be like, oh, this is where I could eventually get to. But I was like, I wish there was something out there where there was like somebody in like their mid twenties or like early thirties. It was just like, I'm a senior designer. I work for this company or I'm working my way up to creative director. I'm not quite there yet. I'm at a, you know, a branding or marketing firm. And it was like this whole idea of like, well, what are these people thinking? Cause it was like, you know, sometimes you just, it's almost like a way to commiserate with your peers. Mm-hmm. Like just to be like, Hey, what are you thinking? Can I bounce my ideas off of you? Can you give me some advice? Can I give you some advice? Like who knows? And it just kind of snowballed into this 
thing where, you know, you, like I said, you'll hear in this first episode, it was just like, so many people have so many good things to say. And I think, you know, this could just be a really great piece of source material for people that are kind of in the same boat as me, just trying to almost, you know, find a place to belong and just have, you know, have a, a peer group to kind of like identify with. Yeah. I thought that was really the, it's just such a great angle to attack and say, what about that person that's in that middle of their career? Not like you said, at the apex, you know, and it has, it kind of has no, like age has nothing to do with it. Cause we have so many great examples of both young and old, you know, killing it right now and doing it. But when you said like, you know, we all know these stories from the people that we hear the most from, but is there a level that hasn't been really approached or, um, you know, uh, asked those questions about how do I get to that next level? Right. Right. Like how, how, how is that? And get, get really granular in that, that exploration of, uh, their career, you know? So tell them about the, the name and your first guest and, and then we'll let them. Yeah. So the name of the podcast is the next level. Um, it's just kind of that whole idea of like, where are you going? How are you getting there? And you know, what's the, all that in between stuff before like the final level, you know? And, uh, yeah, our first guest was, uh, Christian Arnder. He's an illustrator and a graphic designer. And, uh, I've known him for a while. We've kind of just been chatting on socials for a long time. And this was the first time we got to talk in person, but the conversation was so fluid and easy. And, you know, we talked a lot about creative process, um, and especially for him, who's like got a very unique style, it was really interesting to see his perspective on how he curated that, how he folds it into his work, and just kind of how he views his own journey, um, especially because he's a freelancer and he's younger than me. And, you know, like I like, you know, you'll hear in the conversation, we talk about he's kind of an anomaly in this, in this world of, mm -hmm. of design. And it was just so cool to kind of dig into that with him and find out how that really affects his work and his personal life too. Yeah, definitely. I was so impressed. I've already listened to it. <laughs> I obviously was so curious and like anxious to hear what Tom was going to do. And, um, you did a great job in kind of having a great conversation, not so much a discussion. It was a conversation. That's what I really loved. And um, really digging deeper and asking him those questions. Uh, it was very natural. And it's such a good listen. I, I can't wait for you guys to, to take a listen. Uh, this is Tom and his first episode of The Next Level. Take a listen. Learn to love this shit and everything else comes after. episode of the next level podcast um, today we'll be talking about how to find your creative flow how to find your creative identity and I have the wonderful pleasure of talking to one of my favorite creatives uh, Christian Arnder um, hey Christian how's it going I'm good man wow thank you so much that means a lot um, I'm stoked to be here I think it's gonna be a good time yeah, me too, man. I'm really uh, looking forward to it. I'm glad we got this on the schedule. Um, just for like the listeners, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself a little bit, tell everybody a little bit about what you're doing, kind of where you came from, how you started, all that good stuff. Sure. Um, I define myself as an illustrator and designer 
first. Um, the order is pretty important to me. <laughs> I'm an illustrator first, a designer second. Um, I started doing this professionally nine years ago. I started my sophomore year of college, been doing it since, only freelancing, have worked with bands, brands, individuals, firms, publications, on all sorts of stuff. Uh, the work I make is curious, it's playful, it's thoughtful, but it has like a human quality to it that makes it really approachable. Um, that was always one of my goals was to make my work really approachable, get that emotional pull and have people connect to it in some way. And so that's been my goal for these past nine years. And here we are. Yeah. Um, and just to like preface a little bit how I kind of found out about you. Yeah. I can't remember if it was, I was listening to a podcast or if I had seen it in a, like an article, but, and I actually have it here. Um, oh man. I don't know if you remember this. I've saved this for like. I sure do. However, would you remember what year you made this? And what I'm holding for everybody that can't see is a little comic book fold out um, pamphlet that I had bought from him years ago called Dwell. Um, yeah. Do you remember what year this this was made? Uh, 2016. Yeah. I guess 2016, 27. It had to be 2016 because um, okay. it was it was actually made initially for a class. And then my professor at the time was really encouraging and like, oh, this could be a thing. Like, this is something that you've made. Um, and yeah, that's that's crazy. I was just telling my girlfriend the other day that I don't even know if I have a copy of it anywhere. <laughs> I just like, and because you reached out and I was like, oh, I like you were like, I don't know if you remember me. And then you immediately brought that up. And I was like, oh, I know this. I remember this so clearly because you reached out then too and were complimentary of it. Um, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate that yeah. continued support for real. Of course. And I think, you know, this, which is like wild because now I'm going on this journey of like switching careers from architecture. Now I'm doing uh, graphic design and product and packaging stuff. And it's like, this little square comic book was like the start of it all because when we were doing the little blog and podcast um uh punks and wrecks that i was doing with yeah. my buddy mick i remember you know at the time i didn't really know why i liked this so much but i was like we have to like get him on to do an interview and that's when we did that little just like questionnaire thing that that we put on the website yeah yeah dude that's fucking awesome like i love that you were like this thing has changed and you told me this already but like this like kind of changed the course of what i was trying to do or just inspired me and that's like what all of this is about to me anyway so yeah it's great to hear um yeah it's like it's so crazy to think about because like now we're i'm going on this journey of this new podcast and you know it's everything is still so new to me but i'm i'm just like being able to go back and reflect on all this stuff of like how it all started and i'm like this is literally where it starts <laughs> Um, because if I don't do that interview with you, I don't find out about all those books that you recommend to me and I don't end up going to buy Draplin's, um, autobiography oh, yeah. and then I don't become obsessed with all this vector art and then it doesn't bleed into all my, my architecture work. And then I eventually say like, well, I got to get out of here and I got to do something else. Yeah. Um, and man, I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the general vibe of this podcast is really just like, the hustle of like these like early to mid-level creatives that are just like out there doing the thing. And, you know, I think this kind of sparks from 
I love listening to people interview all those like, you know, like um, Benny Gold or like Draplin. But like at some point you're like, I only have so much source material that shows me like the end, like where mm. the where like the last level is as opposed to like, you yeah. know, continuing to advance. And I'm like, where's all like the source material for all the people that are out there just like with their heads down, doing the work, get, like always getting better, like all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean... I, I love that you use the term source material. That's something I talk about all the time. And I use that exact phrase. Um, I was teaching a class um, last year. I was an, I did an adjunct thing and it was amazing. And that was one of my lectures was about source material. I'm dealing with, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds max who are just starting out, just figuring out who they are design wise, just figuring out what they might want to do in five years they're freshmen, they're sophomores, and I'm teaching them or telling them, I guess, about how to pull from where you're from. You know, I mean, it's so important to me because of where I'm from and how I was raised, how I grew up, like all that stuff ends up inspiring where you end up. You know what right. I mean? And for me, there was there was nobody to like tell me that up front. Like nobody was like, hey, dig back into that stuff that you loved when you were 10. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you'll get somewhere with it. Right. Yeah. I think that's, you know, based on everything that I, you know, a, a lot of what I'm doing is learning on the fly, you know, but you start to see like all the people that seem to really be enjoying themselves and like are successful are the people that say like, you know, fuck being the generalist. What mm -hmm. makes me me? And how do I tap into that and then just make it reality on a page or on a screen? Um, and that's really what today, you know, this discussion is all about is because I feel like you've tapped into something that's so uniquely you and maybe not as a style or a movement, but more so it just feels so authentic to like who you are and based on what I've seen over the last six or seven years, you know, starting with this, how it's evolved, because it's really, yeah. it's not like it's drastically different from this comic book, but it has changed and it's evolved into something better or just more refined, I guess, in a way. And yeah, I think the whole point of kind of bringing you here was to be like, you know, how do you, what's the process of doing that? How do you get from drawing a comic book in your sophomore um, graphic design class or illustration class. And now you're like, I'm bleeding this into every piece of work that I do. And people are kind of seeking me out for it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a difficult thing to like really dive into because it's, it is this all encompassing journey, right? It's something that's been constant in my life for a what feels like a really long time now mm. and to really trace it, you have to go back to like when I was like six, you know, like I started drawing when I was really young and I was really encouraged to do that. It was something I really loved um, just right off rip. Like it was just what I wanted to do all the time. And luckily I was encouraged to do that. But then I'm from a very rural place. Um, I didn't have a lot of access to fine art. I didn't have a lot of access to this like grander source material that I think some of my contemporaries, some of the people I know, they had access to at a really young age. Right. So 
I started pulling inspiration or what I was really, really into, especially as a teenager was, you know, anime, comic books, cartoons, um, skateboarding, album artwork, stuff that I could get my hands on. And so then when I was exposed to fine art, I think we took a trip to DC when I was probably 10 and then another one when I was like 13, just because, and when I'm finally exposed to the, all these galleries, I'm like, what the hell is any of this? Like, I'm like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. And for a long time, I was like, I don't even care about any of that. Like, I just want to be making album artwork. I want to be making posters. I want to be drawing comics. I want to be, you know, working with bands or designing skateboard graphics or whatever it was. And I didn't even know the term graphic design. I didn't right. even know what that was yeah. until I was 17, I think. And my art teacher at the time at, in high school was like, hey, I know you're considering going to school for studio art. Maybe you should look into the graphic design program. Mm -hmm. Like Maybe you should look into some design programs instead. And I was like, okay, I don't even know what that means. And so I started digging into it and I was like, oh, this is the thing. This is where, this is where people are making the stuff that I'm really inspired by. Totally. I don't want to be painting all the time. I don't want to be doing sculpture all the time. I don't want to be in these like headier spaces even necessarily. I want to be creating commercial work. And so I think that was, it was a really big turning point in my life. Just the term graphic design was a really big turning point in my life, which feels insane now, but I'd never heard it. And so if you start there, if you start with like from childhood into like teens, it's all just this culmination of that time in my life. It's all saying, okay, what did I like about those things? Yeah. Um, I think that's a good point because I mean, as a, as a graphic designer now, but you know, looking back and like what I've seen as far as like, you know, interviews or things like a lot of people are always like, Oh, well the graphic designer is a generalist because there's a problem that needs to be solved and you have to be able to solve that problem, whatever style the client requests you to do that in. And then I think in a way it's, it is helpful um, in certain fields, it can be really practical, but I also feel like sometimes you lose that essence of who you are when you're constantly trying to like chase that dragon down, whatever, you know, path you're, you're going towards, because, you know, what you've been able to do is, is take that idea of like commercial, like art or commercial design and say, Hey, I've got my thing that brings me joy. Number one. And two, it's unique. It pulls from my personal experience. And I think that there's a market for that out there. And I think that's like a really, really great thing. Yeah. I, I think it was really intentional. I went through school, you know, I, I went to college for graphic design and studio art. I minored in studio art mm -hmm. ultimately. And still by the time I was wrapping up school, I was like, I really don't want to design brochures. You know, I, I really don't want to get an entry level de design position at a firm or at a company and be designing email templates. I was like, I, I really don't want to do that. And 
I was like, what are my options? Like, what, what am I going to do? Because you're not really told that it's a viable option to leave school and start freelancing right away or even freelance at all. You know, like it's, it's more of a standard path to get the nine to five, make the connections, get a different nine to five that pays more, so on and so forth until you're, you know, 30 and then you can maybe start freelancing. Right. After you take like a massive pay cut and figure everything out. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was like, I don't think I'm built for this, mostly based on my style of work. And I interviewed for positions. I met with people. I sent my portfolio places and the feedback I got back was just so not what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And, and they weren't wrong that it took me a long time to recognize that, but they weren't wrong. Yeah. They were totally right. I don't need to work at a company that's dealing with like accounting figures. It wouldn't make any sense. And when I stopped trying to like question why I wasn't getting positions or why I didn't want to do it anyway. And I was just like, fuck it. This is what I do. I draw this way. I illustrate th things like this. And I need to dive into that more to figure out how I can actually make that a career. Right. So when I left school or right before I left school, I had already been freelancing for three years. Mm -hmm. Not like on a grand scheme, you know, doing some small stuff for bands here and there, um, really small paid work, you know, nothing crazy, nothing that you'd see in my portfolio now. And I had talked to some professors about wanting to freelance. I got a couple opportunities early on because of those people that I was just open with. And one in particular was really encouraging. And she hooked me up with this guy from New York who told me, who really encouraged me to like go for it, but you need a plan. And so my plan ended up being, I'm going to graduate from college and I'm going to work in a coffee shop, which I've never done before. And I'm going to dive into what I feel like I didn't learn. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. What I, what I feel like I missed because I'm looking at all these illustrations from people I admire and going, my stuff's not there. Like I, I, my stuff's not at that level. I have this design sense. I think that's been pretty clear to me over the past few years. I'm doing well. I'm already working with people. I can clearly do it, but I'm missing out on some element of what I'm trying to do. So my goal was make enough money to pay the bills, not have to move back home and dig into what I want to be doing and what that means to me. Yeah. Um, I think that's really interesting too, because, you know, as this show progresses or whatever, like you're obviously the first one. So it's like, you're kind of the anomaly in the, like the chain of yeah. like professionals because you, you said, no, I'm not going to take the normal path. I'm going to kind of hustle my way through it and like give myself the time to figure out what I need as opposed to jumping into something that may seem practical now and then figure out what I want later. So, you know, it's, it's, I would say like most people don't take that route, which is really cool. And I think it's like, it's nice to have you on because it kind of says like, Hey, there are multiple ways to get to whatever the finish line is. Absolutely. There's no like one direction for this stuff because, you know, you meet people who are full-time designers who never went to school at all and they're totally self-taught and they're doing incredible things. 
you meet people whose whole thing was that they went to school at, you know, they went to Pratt, they went somewhere like really impressive mm-hmm. and that's their thing. And it, it's the same way as like looking at people's work, right? You look at somebody who's really into branding, really into digging into the nitty gritty of like what makes this brand work. And then you have people on the other end of the spectrum where I think I'm existing somewhere in between of like, I'm just making things and hoping people like it, you know, and neither one of those paths are wrong. It's like you mentioned earlier, there are people who are like design is not art. Design is this way to communicate. Design is this way to um, solve a problem. And on the other end of the spectrum, there's people who are like, I just want to make stuff. And if it works for you, it works for you. And if you look at the wide span between those two opinions, how would you ever say there's one path to those two places? Right. Yeah. Um, I agree because like you said, like, you know, I do have a background in design, but it's completely different from, you know, graphic digital art illustration. And yeah, I would say you kind of, you either have that mentality of like, fuck it, I'm going to do it my way and I'm going to figure it out or you go the traditional route. Um, and I think that's kind of where the whole mentality of like, you just got to have the drive to really, to want to figure it out and to fail a little bit. Because if you like that whole thing of like, if you're not, if you don't have the willingness to say like, this could go horribly wrong and implode on itself, but at least I'll have learned something from it. That I think that's a big part of it too. Yeah. I think when going back to my journey a little bit, I think when I was working in a coffee shop initially, which I did for years in in Mm -hmm. different places, like when I was working there initially, I had this sense of like, is this really what I'm doing? Like, is this what I decided to do? I have a degree. I got a degree. I'm in debt and I went, I'll work at a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it was a, it was a daunting task. It was a weird thing to dive into, especially because I had people in my life who were like, well, dude, what are you doing? That doesn't make any, like what, why would you ever decide to do this? Um, and like move to a new city that you've never lived in. You've been to one time you moved there. Um, it was Charlottesville, Virginia, and Mm -hmm. you moved there. You've been there once you got a job at a coffee shop. You've been to once and what do you like what why would you make this decision and it takes a weird amount of however you want to say you can call it confidence you can call it cockiness you can call it whatever you want it takes a weird amount of that thing to be like i'm fine i'm figuring this out i know what the goal is even if i can't really see it that clearly right now yeah um no i think that's a really good point um And do you feel like that has kind of channeled into your work now as, you know, as you've moved forward and like you reflect back, um, like, do you think like that has affected your process at all or how you, you know, how you take that and you appreciate it or reflect on it, you know, like stuff like that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it gives me a foundation in a lot of ways. I know that a lot of what I learned during that time I wouldn't have learned if I got a nine to five somewhere or if I went like a traditional design firm route. I know I wouldn't have learned that. I know I wouldn't be as good with 
people as I am. I know I wouldn't have learned as much about communication or as much about, honestly, like the people I was around were really inspiring. They were all doing something else. Mm -hmm. We're all working at a coffee shop and we're all doing something else, you know, because we're all very committed to this idea of what we want our lives to be. Right. And I needed to be around people like that while I was still learning what my goals were, you know, and I spent a lot of time, a lot, a lot of time I was doing full time at the coffee shop. And then a lot of time at night, just drawing, figuring out what I wanted to do and making a lot of mistakes and failing a lot being like, I'm going to make a comic. Oh wait, maybe I actually don't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to try and get really into branding. Oh wait, I don't really want to get into branding. I'm going to like, so it's, I needed to go on that journey to discover what I actually wanted to do. Yeah. And if I look back on that now, I'm still just so grateful that I'm able to make anything at all. You know, I'm, I think that's the whole crux of what I do is that I'm grateful to be making something in the first place. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's kind of like beautiful in a way. Cause you're like, I had to break myself back down. Like yeah. from the, like you get out of des design school and you say, okay, all the things I've learned now, I have to kind of like deconstruct it all and then build it back up in a way that makes sense for the life that I want to live. Um, and I mean, the ability to just say like, Hey, fuck it. Like I am going to go work at a coffee shop and I'm going to, you know, dedicate my nights, um, to just learning more about me and who I am and what what my style is, what kind of work I want to do. I think that's, you know, it takes a lot of, of determination to really get to that point. And I think that's why, you know, in my mind, I'm like, you're just like the, like a perfect kind of example for somebody to be like, Hey, like I can follow this path or maybe the path that I have in my own brain is like how I get to, you know, where I need to be. But this is an example, like a great success story of somebody who's like, just, I've been there. I've done that. I did it my way. Kind of, kind of. Yeah. And I tell students that I tell people that are just starting out that all the time, like it is really about having your head down and doing it. It, a lot of it is like financial security. You need to have that, especially mm -hmm. early on. You need to make sure that you can pay your bills and that you can take care of yourself. How you do that is up to you. If you want to take every little design job that maybe you're not like super committed to, but it pays you to do that, that's awesome. If you want to get a part-time gig, that's awesome. Full-time gig, that's awesome. It doesn't take away from what you're trying to build for yourself. And that was something I had to learn. I had to learn that it was fine that I was working at a coffee shop. I had to learn that it was not this failure on my end. It was a part of the journey. It was a part of the path. And But it, but it does still take this inordinate amount of determination, especially if you're trying to do it early. Yeah. Um, I think, um, you know, obviously like watching you progress over the years, like just through social media um, and seeing how, you know, that time has like really like honed in on your, your skill and your craft. Um, has been amazing. And I think I kind of want to now talk a little bit more about how, like, now that we know a little bit about how you've progressed, like through your professional career, just like kind of how you took where you were and how you are like 
got to where you are now with what you're doing and just kind of like what like what you did to figure out like this is kind of where my creative brain is at and like this is how I'm going to reflect it on the screen or on a page. Sure. Um, I think the best way to talk about this is to talk about how I think about creativity in a way. I think about creativity in general as this thing that we don't necessarily have control over. It is this like kind of ethereal thing that we get to exist in. It's not something that we can just say, I have control over this. This is what I do. This is where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Um, And for a long time, I think I was kind of a control freak about like how much time I was putting in and how I was going about everything. And when I could let go of that a little bit, that's when I was making my best work. When I wasn't having to force an aesthetic that maybe the client needed at the time, which I think is necessary at times. I don't want people to think like, never do what your client says. I think you should. But when I wasn't having to do that, when I could just get into my own flow and make what I wanted to make, that's when I was learning the most and that's when I was the happiest. And I think I owe everything to people who gave me opportunities, especially early on, and people who let me kind of do my thing on projects, especially earlier on, because them establishing that trust helped me trust myself. It helped me decide that, oh, maybe I do know what I'm doing, even if it is my aesthetic, even if it is something that I want to do right now with their idea brought into my aesthetic, their trust really enabled me to move forward with what I was trying to do. Like I worked at that coffee shop for, I mean, six to nine months, really not that long. And then I got a in-house freelance design thing in New York, in uh, Soho at Quark. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they were great. And like, I just sent them an email like out of nowhere. And I was like, let's work together on something. And they were like, you should come up for a month and we'll just make some stuff um, for this like new uh, branch of our agency. And ultimately the job was fun. It really wasn't like my environment. It wasn't for me. Um, The people were great. I enjoyed what I was working on, but it really wasn't, the schedule wasn't for me. um, And the work environment really wasn't for me, which Mm -hmm. just also affirmed what I already thought. Right. You know, And, but what I did discover while I was in New York for that short amount of time was that, was how I like to uh, sketch, how I like to dive into ideas, how I like to put things in context for myself. Totally. Which totally changed this part of my practice, which as everybody who's making visual work knows, like sketching is this like super important aspect of your practice. And it totally changed within a month to two months. I think I was there for total two months. And it totally changed in that amount of time. And there are little, little grains like that all throughout this journey that are like, oh, you're learning this like major shift in what you're trying to do. And Mm -hmm. now you apply that to a job. Now you apply that to this new client. Now you apply that to your style or whatever. And so that's why I say I owe everything to these people who, who trusted me at the beginning because it enabled me to learn so much and fail a lot and not know a lot of shit and just be like, I guess this is, 
I guess I have to figure this out right now. And I mean, I think my style progression, if we can call it that, has been fairly fluid. Mm-hmm. It's been, I was really into um, this illustrator named Ben Sears when I was okay. in school. Yeah. And his work heavily inspired like Dwell and all this other stuff I was doing at the time. And then as I got out of school, learned more about, you know, like show posters, um, tour posters, t-shirt design, um, illustration as an industry, not so much design or comics, but illustration, which kind of exists in the middle somehow for me in my head. And as I was learning more about that industry, that opened me up to all these other aesthetics, all these other styles, all these other people who are working in this way that I wasn't super familiar with, but I had the foundations, you know, I had the foundations of drawing, of storytelling, of narrative, of design. And if I could slam all those things together, then maybe I'd have something. Yeah. Um, No, I think that's great. And you brought up a a lot of really good points and something that I just wanted to touch on was that idea of like the middle ground between, you know, graphic design and, you know, fine art or, or whatever illustration does kind of live in this world where it's like, you know, there's obviously the motion graphic side, but for people that really just love to draw, you know, not that they're not static images, but things that live in like a very specific time and place where they don't move and you can like, you can always appreciate different things about it. It's like, you really, I don't, it takes so much effort to not pull yourself in those other two directions where you're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's gotta be, it's not solving a problem. Oh, it's not, um, I don't know, a thought provoking piece that's going in this other direction. You're like, no, what I'm doing has value and people appreciate it. And I'm folding that into my creative process so that, you know, when I'm working on stuff for clients, I know that it's going to have a piece of me in it. But also when I work on stuff for myself, I fold the same values in. So that way I know that it has weight. And, you know, when I, whether I'm going to sell it or if I'm going to print it for myself or something, it's like, I know that I put everything I had into this. Yeah. And I think early on when I was doing, when I was making more narrative work, um, right before, right after, I don't remember after I made dwell, I was, um, really trying to get my narrative work out there. And I was going to a couple conventions here and there and like literally just giving stuff away. Like mm-hmm. this is a, this is a sample of my work, blah, 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 whatever. And I remember somebody saying to me, Oh, this feels really design heavy. And I was like, yeah, I guess like I go to school for design. Like I go to school for graphic design and they were like, well, there's not really like, there's nobody really doing like design based, like really heavily inspired by like these, these like eras of design based narrative work. And at the time I was young. And at the time I was like, I felt like it was an insult. I was like, Oh, my work isn't as stylized. My work isn't as expressive. My work, like, what are you trying to say by that? And then I think it took me a long time to be like, it's not, he wasn't saying anything negative at all. And I had to be like, no, design is part of this identity. It is part of what I'm doing. It's not the whole thing, but it is a key part. How I design compositions, how I 
do sketches, how I use color, it is all from this design background. You know, yeah. it's not necessarily from a painterly background. It's not necessarily from a like color theory background. It is from very much a design background mm -hmm. and how I think things work because of what I know. And when I, this whole journey can be like typified by saying that there are so many moments where I had to let go of like this preconceived notion Absolutely. of what I was trying to do and just say, how do I want to make things? How do I want to dive into this? Where, what is my source material? Where do I come from? And what do I need to incorporate and what do I need to leave behind? Yeah. Um, I think that's a really good point. And even like, I mean, you come from a very similar school of like DIY music culture, I think. And that has probably has a big part in it too, because it like, it all goes back to the idea of like, you just got to do it for yourself. Like no one's going to do it for you, but also you have to be willing to take the criticism from your peers because mm. when it comes in, you're like, okay, maybe I don't fully agree with it, but could it have a positive effect if I change something or if I change my process a little bit, or if I see it from a different way, or even just taking the criticism and not saying like, well, fuck you. I don't like, I don't want that. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think that's like, you know, and like surrounding yourself with the type of people that are going to encourage you to grow also is like, yeah. I think a big part of that. Definitely. I, um, going back to what you started saying about like, like, um, when I had to learn that, and I was, I was sitting, I remember this so clearly. I was sitting on my bed with my dad talking about this internship that I wanted. Um, it had to be, I mean, it was before I graduated. So 2016, 2017, mm. something like that. Yeah. Or it was like going to be the year after I graduated or something. And it was for a record label out in California. I do not have the money to move to California for a summer. It's yeah. not, it's not even remotely possible. And we were discussing that. And I remember being very upset because I was just like, this, this thing that I really wanted to do can't work out. But then I feel like that brought up all these other feelings of like, I, I was forced to realize that just because you're making things doesn't mean anyone gives a shit. Right. It's, it can't just be, oh, I made this, please look at it. It can't just be, oh, I made this. It inherently has value to everybody. It can mean something to you. And that's the base, you know, that has yeah. to be is that it meant something to you but having being almost forced to realize that just because you're making something doesn't mean anybody has to care totally changed the way that i looked at my work i was like if no if i can just if i can make things almost in a vacuum you know if i can make things for myself that i love and show people that i care about it over time show people that regardless of whether I have a job this month, whether I'm working with a client this month or not, I'm still just making stuff. I'm still just putting it out. Mm -hmm. so that they can see it demonstrating that care, demonstrating that it matters to me that will end up working out. Yeah. But it and I think it has. Can't, yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised in a lot of ways, I think still um, I'm grateful. I was just talking to one of my friends on the phone um, yesterday who is a painter in Austin. His name's Nate Sharmack. He's an amazing painter. Um, and we were just talking about how if this, this entire journey of mine, of his, all goes away tomorrow, 
it's still surprising that it worked out for as long as it did. Yeah. And I still have to be, <clears throat> I still have to be grateful that it worked out for this long, that I've been able to work with the people I've worked with, that I've been able to make all this stuff because of people that trusted me in the beginning and because of my own determination to decide that I was going to do it this one way. I was going to do the cold emailing. I was going to reach out to everybody. I was going to do um, the work I wanted to do. I was going to learn more about myself. I was going to make sure I had a presence online. You know, like all this stuff that I decided, all the and all the clients that trusted me along the way to do the thing that I decided to do, I still have to be grateful for that. Even yeah. if even if like tomorrow, next year, whatever, it stops working out. You know what I mean? I think that's a great perspective to have because, well, it's it's hard to appreciate in the moment when, like even when things are going great and like your projects like that you could only dream of are happening and then you're so hyper-focused on getting it done, getting it done well, and then getting it out that you forget to like in the moment be like, wow, this is amazing. Or like, I can't yeah. believe somebody came to me for my illustration. Like they said, Hey, we want to put your stuff on our t-shirt. We're taking it. There is tour. no better yeah. feeling in the world than having somebody approach you for what you do. Right. And not, not just because they know how they know that you know how to use illustrator, not just because they know, you know how to use Photoshop, but because they've seen something that you've done that they connected to that they like. There is no better feeling in the world. And I remember teaching last year and I was telling these students this because I was like, you are going to be encouraged to not do that. You are going to be encouraged to be a generalist. And in some ways, it's good to have that skill. It's good to know that it's good to know those things just in case you do need to pay a bill and you can make somebody's business card. Right. You know, it's good to have that. But if you can commit to what you want to be doing, it takes longer, it's harder, but there is no better feeling in the world than waking up and knowing that people care about what you're doing. Yeah. Even on a micro level. Like like you said, I'm not like a super well-known designer, illustrator person. I'm not like this person that people know wide and far, but I do get to wake up and know that so-and-so cared about my work. I do get to wake up and know that all these clients that I'm working with right now cared about it for some reason. Mm -hmm. And there's no better feeling in the world. Yeah. Um, and that's the whole point of this show really is to say like, yeah, the John Contino's of the world will always be there, but there's <laughs> 50,000 other people underneath this like level of professionals that are honing their craft and like working their way up and it's like that's and making where I, some amazing shit right yeah like doing I mean, incredible work right um and that's like the experimental like before you get to that point where it's like you know a lot of these people like designers like or illustrators they have that one style that everybody goes to them for and it's mm -hmm. like i feel like you know even like what you're doing um you know from where you started to now is like like in a way so drastically different. Cause you know, in the beginning I felt like you weren't really working with a lot of collage work mm. and now it's, I feel like such an integral part of, of what you're doing. And it's like all the, like the Photoshopping of like the images that you find and like texturing them and then drawing over the top of them. And I'm like, I, when I first saw that it might've been 
I'm trying to remember what it was. I, for some reason in my mind, it's that, um, that Frank Ocean poster that you did a while ago. Oh, back. yeah. And yeah. I was like, you know, th- not exactly, but I was like, this feels like it's pushing into something different. Yeah, I think the collage stuff came, up, came about kind of naturally also because it was just something that I was into. Mm-hmm. I knew a lot of people online who were making incredible collages and I was like, this is so fun. I would love to be able to like experiment with this, get my hands on some material and just kind of go at it. And it took me a little while. It's, it's, it's kind of been in the works for a little while because it took me a little bit to figure out how collage incorporated into the milieu that I already had, right. um, how it worked in my context, not just in a general collage context. And I think that's been the main thing about what we've been saying this entire time is how does everything incorporate into what I'm already doing? How does everything incorporate into my goals? Not necessarily just the material, not just not necessarily just the medium or for a client or whatever, but how is it benefiting me or how does it work for me? And yeah, I think, I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe like a style journey in a way um, right. because it is so fluid. Well, it's and, how do you track it, right? It's like you just yeah. one day say, oh, this might be cool. And then you try it. Yeah. It's a never ending journey. It's, it's a never ending thing. You, you find things that you like, you incorporate them. Sometimes they don't work. Mm-hmm. I always tell people that there's, there's multiple phases of creativity, right? There's, um, there's planting, which is like this inspiration buildup where you're seeing all this stuff and you're just pulling it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like tending to that, you know, there's taking care of your garden. There's taking care of the things that you've planted You're and you're watering them and you're exploring, you're sketching, you're doing a lot of sketches in that phase. You're mm-hmm. trying to figure stuff out, you're throwing a lot of stuff against the wall and sometimes stuff doesn't bloom and you got to rip it up and try again. And then there's the harvest phase, right? Like you get to this point where you're like, I know what I'm doing. I know how this works for me. Here's 10 pieces demonstrating how it works for me. Yeah. Um, Do you feel like now, I mean, not that it's ever final, but do you feel like now the more that you do this kind of work when you're submitting I don't know, um, project briefs or whatever. If somebody's coming to you and asks you for examples of work, do you feel like you're folding more of this stuff into examples that you're like putting into your portfolio for stuff? Yeah, definitely. I think my portfolio is my portfolio. That's always kind of been my, um, my goal is this is what my work looks like. If you're good with that, let's go for it. Right. If you're not, I, I don't really have much to offer you, you know, and that's, and I think I started doing that five, six years ago now. I was I stopped trying to incorporate a million different kinds of work into my portfolio. And I just recently, last year, somebody told me that I need to have more typography in my portfolio. And mm-hmm. I was like, for what reason? Right. I don't, I, why would I do that? Yeah. I do typography. It's on the posters. It's on the stuff. I did all of that too. But it's not my main thing. Why would I be advertising that as a thing that I want to be doing if I don't want to be doing that? Yeah. And I think that's and, just, it goes yeah. back to that idea of like the generalist and it's like, everybody wants you to just cast as wide and that as possible. And then you're like, but it's not the stuff that I want to be doing. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to cast a wide net. I want right. to cast, a, I want to cast a small one that works. 
Right. Um, Wide nets get holes. You know what I mean? That's true. All nets don't. And I, that, and my goal is to not be this like gigantic designer who's working on projects with everybody for everything and blah, blah, blah. It's to do the work that I'm doing in different contexts. Yeah. Um, I think the, the last thing that I really want to touch on is your, I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but color, like sure. the way that you use it, I mean, it's very specific and it feels yeah. like very intentional. And I just want to kind of get into like, how do you choose the color palettes that you, that you choose? Um, it, it comes from a few different places. Um, like I said earlier, it comes from a design background. I am really into like early nineties graphic design stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really into like Paul Rand's color palettes, which are super simple, but really effective. Yeah. Um, but I'm, but at the same time, I'm also really into just playing with things and see, seeing what sticks. So sometimes it is like this very calculated process of like, I know that this color feels right beside this one. I'm not a color theorist. I'm really not. I, I know that people want to be. I know that people encourage designers to be. I am really not a color theorist. I know certain things. I know how certain colors play with each other. I understand it. But a lot of times it is just based on this color reacts well with this one. Let's add one more. Right. It's it's really It's really a fairly simple process most of the time. And a lot of times it is saying, I saw somebody else use this color, just single color. I saw somebody use this color how can I use that color? Cause I really liked it. Right. You know, it, it's, or this like, I'm really into this like bright green here. I have it literally have a, like a color swatch. Oh, that's amazing. Like I love this green right here. Um, and now I mean, I've done like three projects this week that have that green in it. Yeah. You know, I get really hyper-focused on certain color palettes and then just go for it. Yeah. Um, whether that's because I saw somebody else use it or because I was like, I've, I need to switch it up. I, I've been using this one color palette for a little while. I need to switch it up. I haven't used blue in a long time. Let's put blue in it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's this really, again, it's this very fluid process where you meet in the middle between fine art and design, right? Um, for me, it, it is very like, what, have, what am I feeling about this? Right. Or how do I establish an emotional connection simply through color, simply through aesthetic? Yeah. How do people connect to this because it's now purple, green, and orange? Is it too Halloween? Like, is that like, you know what I mean? Like, what is the vibe that either the client is going for or that I'm going for? And how do I exemplify that with the colors also? And the way I get there depends on how I'm feeling. It might just be throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what works. It might be a color palette I saw yesterday. It depends. Yeah, I think that's, it's really interesting because it really does like that whole idea of just trusting your gut, which is like, I think, I don't know if you're in school, someone's going to say, no, well, you have to give me a reason for why you chose that color palette or like, what's, you know, show me on the color wheel, how they relate. That is the and, funniest thing to me. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate it. I understand why color theory is important. I under, like, even like just aesthetically, like to expand this conversation a little bit, compositionally, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, trusting your gut can mean so much. It's like I had a professor um, forever ago whose whole thing was, his name's Rich Hilliard. Um, He, 
forever ago, he was like, if it looks right, it's right. Mm-hmm. He was like, you'll meet designers, you'll meet people who will tell you it's not technically centered or whatever, and they'll want you to put it in the center. But it's going to look like it's slightly to the left because of the composition. Mm -hmm. And from there on out, I was like, I have to trust my gut about what this feels like, what it looks like, the aesthetic overall. I have to understand that on a different level than just technical. But people will encourage you, especially when you're young and like learning design, to only look at things from a technical basis. And there's some... There's some school of thought there. Like there is like learn the rules and then you can break them kind of thing going on there maybe. But learning to trust your gut takes a lot longer. So maybe start doing that early. Well, and it's all like it really feeds into what you do and what a lot of other people do that are just kind of like it's my work is emotionally charged. I feed off of the things that I like. And, you know, when you see something that you like, especially colors, you're like, yep, that's it. And then you know, like, hey, I can make this work into my artwork, into my design or or whatever. Um, But it really is like being able to say to yourself, like, well, it doesn't matter if somebody else doesn't like it. It's like if my eye sees it and like it makes me feel something, then I know that that's it. Well, that's true for yourself. But also beyond that, if it made you feel something, it's making somebody else feel something. Right. There's somebody else out there who's like, who also really likes that color green or is going to emotionally connect to something just because you did just mm-hmm. because it made sense to you and it might not make sense to 10 million people, but it's going to make sense to 10. Yeah. And that's the goal, right? That's the goal of creativity in so many ways. That's the goal of art in so many ways. It's not necessarily the goal of design all the time. You want to be mm-hmm. connecting to a lot of people all the time, especially if you are working in a corporate setting for large companies, but so, so often, it's just about connecting with that niche audience. Right. Who is your audience? Identify them, figure out what they like. How are you connecting with them? That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's powerful stuff, man. No, I think, uh, you know, all the things that we've talked about today have really, I mean, it gives people a good idea of like, first of all, where you come from, but also to like be able to give yourself a little bit of, you know, let your identity show through into your work, you know, yes. wherever you can do that. Please. Yeah. It's important. I want to see what you make because it's you. Right. And especially now, even like we talk about corporate stuff, but I mean, even like being in the city and, you know, you see all the advertisements on the subway, on the sides of buses, and you, you just feel more so now than ever. Um, these corporations are like kind of valuing the idea like, oh, people are responding to personalized work that's like yeah. through the cone of vision of an artist or an illustrator. Um, like perfect example, um, Contino just did a whole bunch of stuff for Street Easy and they yeah. um, like literally plastered all over the city. And it's like all just like gritty hand-drawn stuff. And you're like, wow, I just like you can't sometimes believe like you know, this company, which is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is exactly what we need. It's going to like get out there to like millions of people and they're going to love it. And yeah, it was like, the response was great. Well, it's like you wonder, I think a lot of times people wonder why people like John, why people like Aaron Draplin have this like massive following or even people um, like um, Jessica Hish, who's like, who's this like incredible brand designer is like specializes in fine tuning logos and all this stuff. Like, Mm -hmm people wonder why they're as prominent as they are and why they're as successful as they are. 
And if you read anything from these people, you read any, you read the Draplin book, you read, look at uh, Jessica Hitch's Twitter. Like, mm-hmm. look, like John has a book out. Um, so many of these people, their whole thing is, I made stuff unabashedly the way I wanted to do it. And it worked out. Yeah. Lisa Congdon, same way. Like she, yeah. she was not even a designer until she was like, maybe I think in her forties, mm-hmm. I think I could be wrong, but like later in life than most people. And she just started painting and discovered this whole thing that she wanted to do. And then people were like, we really like that because it feels authentic. Yeah. Authenticity goes a really long way. Workaday designers aren't a bad thing. I love that. I love that there are people working in these corporate environments who are fine tuning all this stuff that we see on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they exist. I'm glad. I hope that's fulfilling. You know, that's that's the whole goal for any person who's making creative work. Is I hope it's fulfilling for you. Right. But there is room for people who are doing more specific and more niche work. There's always room for you. There's plenty of work to go around. Mm -hmm. So you might as well be making the stuff you want to make. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, Okay. So we'll end the discussion there. But now I have a couple of questions that I want to ask you just to like fill it out. And then we'll do our wrap up. uh, And then then we'll get you out of here so you can go get on with your day. Um, (laughs) But okay. So the first question is... um, What's a piece of career advice that you would give a younger version of yourself? Oh man. I think for me, it has to be, um, man, it has to be trust your gut. Mm -hmm. It has to be something along the lines of keep going. I understand that it's a difficult process. I understand that at times it's going to be, really daunting either financially or you know just in general it's going to feel like this massive undertaking mm-hmm. but if you can keep your head down keep doing what you're doing and continue to learn continue to build your style around what you know it's gonna end up working out at least fairly well yeah but also to be grateful for where you're at i think that i spent a lot of time as a young designer not appreciating where I was at the time because Mm -hmm. I wanted to be somewhere else. Right. I wanted to progress. I either wanted to progress faster or I wanted to be working with bigger clients or whatever. And I, I even wish now that I had been more in the moment, more grateful for where I was at, at that time. Mm -hmm. So slow down, keep your head down, but be grateful to where you're at. I think. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Next question. Um, what's a piece of career advice that someone gave you, um, that you feel like really helped you to get to where you are now? Sure. Um, so going back 2017, again, I was looking for more niche opportunities. I think more, um, either more specific internships, places where I could really learn, That's kind of been my goal this whole time is where can I actually learn something? Where can I actually figure things out? And knowing that Aaron Draplin did not take interns, I emailed him anyway. Yeah. Um, I reached out and I was like, hey, I don't 
necessarily need you because his whole reason he has like this whole thing on his website about like his reasoning for not taking interns which is like he doesn't want to spend the time like teaching somebody how to do something right which totally makes sense and but i reached out and i was like hey i don't want you to teach me anything i just want to kind of exist in the space you know glean what i can learn what i can but also just be in like a place with like good creative energy that kind of thing Hmm. i was like if not don't even stress about it but will you look at my portfolio and he emailed me back. He did not even respond to the part about interns. Yeah. But he did look at my work and he was complimentary. He was very kind. And the last thing he said in that email was, mm-hmm. and I think from that point, working and doing what I wanted to do became this labor of love like it was very like how do i want to approach this because i'm trying to have a good time right and how can i make people know that i'm having a good time and this is my goal you know Mm. and i mean it's it sounds like such simple advice now it's such like base level like love what you do like that kind of thing but it really changed my perspective it really especially i was i was um, 21. So it, it really changed how I was approaching things. I was like, Oh, I do have to really, I did love this. Now I've been inundated with all this stuff about like what I'm supposed to be doing or what my goal is supposed to be. And I don't like it as much. So how can I get back to loving it again? Right. And just having somebody remind me of that meant so much. Yeah. Um, not to like tangent too far, but I think Draplin is really great because like you can email him and he will always respond. Oh yeah. It's a, and like always, he always has some quip about like, or like some, like just really nice little like snippet of advice that you're like, Oh, I'm going to carry this like with me forever. Probably 100%. Yeah. And then I'm going to add one more really fast. Um, I was really lucky to work with this guy named Jonathan O'Brien, my senior year of college. He worked Mm -hmm. for play lab in New York for a little while. Okay. Worked on a couple freelance projects for him. And he's one of the people I talked to when I wanted to get into freelancing uh, right out of school. And he was one of the very few people that was like, yeah, go for it. But what are you going to do? How are you going to make money? And I was like, I was thinking about working at this coffee shop. And he was like, I did that for like years. He was like, I did that. It makes perfect sense. If you want to go for that, I think it's a great idea. And it really wasn't advice. It was just encouragement into what I was trying to do. And it gave me a base to be like, other people have done this. And now I feel empowered to do that. Yeah. That's cool. Um, Yeah. All right. Last question. Um, What's the next level for you? And to me that it can feel like a loaded question, but I think it's like, you know, is it, it doesn't have to be professional. It could just be something in life. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like advancing some aspect of yourself I know you're doing the the run club right now. So it's like, maybe, oh, yeah. 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 So like, what is, what's the next level for you? My goal with my work, with my life, whatever, is always going to be just to continue doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to, I want to be able to continue making things, whether that changes and like with like what I'm making or the medium or whatever, I want to be able to continue making things no matter what, whether I do have to 
you know, go back and get another part-time job or whether I do want to dive into a full-time position somewhere because it's cool, like whatever it looks like, I want to be making stuff. Yeah. Um, I have specific goals in mind, but they're not different. You know, they're not, they're not so far out of the realm of possibility of what I'm already doing, what I'm already making for myself. So how can I continue to make things is my only thing. And how do I sustainably create an environment for myself to continue creating how I, and how do, how do I maintain mentally, creatively, financially, how do I maintain all those factors so that I can keep making things in this like grander scheme, you know, and then past that, how do I help other creatives also build a sustainable environment for themselves? Like, I don't want to like sell courses or sell books about like living a creative life or whatever, but like I, I want to be, or I want to genuinely inspire and encourage people that like this is possible. You know, it is possible to live a sustainable lifestyle and also be making things for everybody who's like picked up a pencil or a paintbrush or wrote a song or, you know, wrote a book, whatever it is, like whatever your craft is, there are like ways to do it and be successful on a micro level and be happy and be making the things you want to make. So like, yeah, how do I do that for myself and how do I let people know that it's possible? Yeah, no, that's great, man. I love the whole, uh, pay it forward mentality. Cause it really like, you know, for one, for like people like you or like all the, you know, the channels that I've been able to access, I would not even be here right now. So it's like that, yeah. like, it's really important. Um, and I would encourage anybody to do the same. Um, yeah, not to not to spiral too far, but like, I'm always kind of astounded at like, I look at illustration and art and design, especially as like one big family. Mm-hmm. We should be helping each other. I want everybody to be fed. I want everybody to be able to do what they want to do and be successful and find their market and find their niche and find the people that care. And it, it's always astounding to me the amount of people who either put financial barriers in front of that or put like, or, or like, you know, stuff like not telling somebody what brush you used, like Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. It's like, you're such a weirdo. Like, please please pay it forward a little bit. Like no gatekeeping. We don't want to help like 18 year olds who really have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. And are just trying to learn. Cause if I didn't have those people, I sure as hell wouldn't be here. Yeah. You know, I had people pay it forward for me. I had people inspire me and tell me things that I didn't even ask. They were just like, Hey, you might want to know this might mm-hmm. be helpful for your career. Right. And it means the world. And like, I, I would love to be that for other people. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, all right. So last thing, um, plug, you know, your socials, anything you're working on, anything you're listening to, anything you've seen, whatever you got, like, you know, I think it's really good, you know, first of all, for people to be able to find you, but also, you know, inspirational stuff that people can also use to like channel some inspiration themselves. Sure. Um, my socials are at Christian Arnder everywhere. I'm working on a brand right now with one of my best friends called the run club. And that's at the run club.wsnc. Um, it's really fun just kind of an inspiring way to get people moving. Yeah, I love that. It's um, great. Yeah, we're having a great time. Um, otherwise, I've been into, um, I love. I have a friend, his name's Dewey Brian Saunders. He makes these incredible collages. He's worked with Anderson Pack and all these other people and his work's incredible. 
it's been really inspirational to me lately. Um, I've also been listening to a lot of Earl sweatshirt. So maybe try that out. Um, and yeah, I think the last thing I, the last thing I want to say really is like, please dig into your source material, write some stuff down, figure out where you're from and really learn to love it. And you're set. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. Um, yeah, and if anybody has any questions, uh, they can reach out to um, the DGDC pod on Instagram, or you can reach out to me at tlauro underscore design. Um, we're always looking for people to get on the show now that we're like getting things rolling. So like anybody who's got questions or is like, hey, I'd love to like have a discussion about something, just hit me up. Um, and I think that's going to do it for episode one of the Next Level podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. And Christian, thank you so much for being on with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Cool. We'll catch you later. Bye.